Hello. Um, this is uh, episode 95 of the Chattering Classes. We're going to do something a little different today. It's just going to be a solo podcast, so uh, I don't know how that will go. It'll be difficult for me to even listen back to this and enjoy it. So I'm just going to go through my favorite things of 2021. Um, in particular, favorite books. Uh, movies, maybe some songs. It's not going to be, um, not all of it's going to be from 2021. Like, they're not all new. I don't want to, like, re only read new books or watch new movies or listen to new songs. So it'll be songs and books and, and films that I've discovered or watched in 2021. Um, but before we get to that, uh, it is episode 95, which means we are super close to 100 episodes, which is pretty ridiculous. The fact that, um, you know, this time last year, I think I've done 56. So, you know, in about a year, I've done, you know, nearly 50 episodes. I think it took a break for about eight weeks in the middle of the year. And then uh, once lockdown happened for us in August, I got back into it. So I've done, yeah, over 40 episodes in a year, which is pretty remarkable because I think the average before that was eight. So it's been really helpful that now uh, everyone knows how to use Zoom. I've been able to talk to people far and wide, whether it's, you know, in the same suburb or whether it's been, you know, I've talked to people in California, I've talked to people in England, I've talked to people in Italy, um, I've talked to people in Japan, and that's been really easy and, and great to, to do, to catch up with people as well. It's been a really, uh, what I've used it for, I guess, in the last 12 months is to catch up with people I haven't spoken to for a long time and uh, once there's a pretense of a recording an interview, I guess you can really get down to it and it's not just the small talk because I don't really do small talk. I'm not real good at small talk and uh, I like to, you know, get into some other stuff. But anyway, I'm rambling already. What I'd like from you, dear listener, thank you for coming on this journey. What a journey it's been. Uh, but... I would like you to provide the planning. I was going to say the content, but it's not the content. I will, I will still be doing the content for episode 100. Episode 100 will be a special episode where the uh, host um, of the podcast, which is me, and the host of the podcast online, which is Nick Maniatis, um, will do a special uh, mailbag, I guess, or... Um, uh, and AMA and ask me anything from you, the listeners, to us. So what we are asking of you is to ask us questions about the podcast or questions about us or questions about uh, that you want answered. Um, because as you know, I've got my little book here all about you, which is, you know, 2,500 questions. Um, and I like questions. So... What we would like from you is that you provide us with the questions. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can, um, if you know me, you can just ask me to my face. Uh, if you uh, have the capacity, you can just send me a message or nick a message. Uh, uh, any questions you have about the podcast or about life in general that you want us to discuss. Um, we will set up a link through the, probably through the Facebook or Instagram page which has a link to a 
to a Google form, which you can just fill out. And it'll just basically say, what is your name? What is your question? Have a nice day, etc., etc. So uh, when this episode pops up, uh, usually on the Friday night, um, you can start to think about questions. And what we will do on the day or when we record is take all the questions, maybe fold them up, put them in a hat, or put them in some kind of digital um, shuffler, and we will ask these questions of each other randomly. Now, um, hopefully, we will get enough questions <laughs> that we'll fill an episode. Um, and hopefully it won't have to be, remember that time and play the harp music and listen back to clips from my favorite moments. Um, but we might do that. I don't know. haven't even thought about it. But anyway, uh, so yes, if you can send us questions, that'd be awesome. And now let's get on with the show where I crap on about stuff that I've liked. <laughs> So we're going to start off talking about songs um, with the help of our good friends at Spotify, who we're not even on. <laughs> uh, I don't know when we will be or if we will be, but um, usually the Spotify, uh, my top songs of 2021, that's really helped sort this section out, um, even though there's some new stuff as well, even newer. Let's say fresh, like one of those compilation CDs from the 90s, early 2000s. So fresh. Incidentally, like, when you... I don't know if you were like me. That were the first CDs I ever bought were compilation CDs. This is early 90s, very early 90s. In fact, one of them uh, might have been You Can't Touch This Hits, 1990. Definitely was. Um, and the other one was Beat the Heat, Summer 91, which had um, Guru Josh, Infinity. What a great song. 1990, Time for the Gurus, you know. I don't think it was. I think that was the only song they had, but... Uh, why don't I play the annoying um, hook right now? Yeah, that was uh, definitely time for the 90s when that was kicking off. But anyway, um, so as I said, these are the, the songs that I listened to most in, in 2021. Um, and they cover a wide range. Because according to Spotify, uh, the song I listened to more than any other song in, in 2021 was The Rolling Stones' Love in Vain. I think it's from Let It Bleed, um, which I'd never really heard before. Uh, and I guess that's the benefit is you put songs on random and things like that, and the song comes on and it starts and you're like, what the hell is this? Why haven't I heard this before? And I just got addicted to it, which I do. Um, and I'm always making fun of our good uh, friend of the chattering classes, Wiggins, always making fun of, especially when I live with him, how he would get obsessed with songs and play them to death. And I guess uh, now that we have headphones and no one knows what you're listening to, you can get away with that a bit easier without uh, annoying people by playing it. But, but that was certainly the song I listened to most. Um, and again, uh, it's a cover. I think it's a Robert Johnson song. 
Um, and as the stones do, they just take it and make it their own. Well, I followed her to the station With a suitcase in my hand Yeah, I followed her to the station With a suitcase in my hand Then the next song on the list is a completely random song uh, called Boa Sorte. And it's by Vanessa DeMarta and Ben Harper. Now, the reason why uh, I found this song was because I used to be obsessed with Ben Harper. Um, certainly early 2000s into mid-2000s. I, I think I saw him perform... I know I saw him perform a few times, once in England, which was an outstanding concert. Um, and then I saw him in Japan, of all places, in uh, Yokohama, I believe, uh, where I got way too drunk. One of the few times in my life where I was too drunk when I went to a concert, which is never fun. I've, I've, I've been too inebriated at a number of concerts, but that was one where, I, at the start of the concert, I wasn't... Uh, I think I was just trying to focus more than anything else on enjoying the music. But anyway, um, so I, I was a big, a big fan. Uh, still am a big fan, but I don't listen to him nearly as much, and and very rarely do I revisit. And I guess it's, that's what happens, right? You get all these artists and songs that you listen to a lot, um, and some you always go back to, um, and others you don't really revisit until every now and then you go, oh, I might listen to that again. I haven't listened to that for a long time, and. So I went on Spotify and I just typed in Ben Harper and it had like his top five songs that are played the most and this song was number one. So it it's not really him, uh, obviously, singing. It's more Vanessa DeMarta. Now, it's a, an interesting story. Was, uh, Vanessa DeMarta is a Brazilian artist and, and um, she was a fan of Ben Harper. She's quite famous in Brazil and so... She said, I want to work with Ben Harper. So I don't know if they actually uh, sat down and wrote anything together. She communicated with him. Uh, it was all done long distance. I need you to write this song uh, about this, uh, put these words together. And then the producer, that's who Ben Harper credits, um, linked it all together. And I found an interview with him where he was saying, um, so it happens. Someone <coughs> asks you to contribute to a song. You chuck it in and you do it and then you send it off and you don't think about it and it goes into an album. Well, it's like one of the uh, highest selling singles of all time in Brazil and one of those songs where if you're in Brazil and it comes on at a, at a bar, apparently everyone will sing along and everyone knows the word. So it's a, a very odd story of a song where he said he didn't put much work into it. Or he did it as, you know, as did what was asked of him and sent it off and it's like his biggest hit. And he's been able to tour Brazil 
um, a lot since just because of that. So again, an odd song um, to find, but again, I got addicted. It's a pretty catchy melody as well. Boa sorte, não tenho o que dizer, são só palavras, e o que eu sinto não mudará, tudo que quer me dar é demais, é pesado, não há paz, tudo que quer de mim. I'm going to move on. So I've been listening to Billie Eilish's second album quite a lot. Um, and I don't, Billie Eilish is, a, is an interesting artist, obviously. I'm not making any, um, any great shakes and it's not like, oh, who is this person? Um, but my daughter, my eldest daughter, Violet, she got into Billie Eilish with her first major album and we listened to it a lot and I liked it and over time I probably liked it more than Violet and then when the second album came out I, it was a very interesting um, insight into the teenage mind and the hive mind that sometimes happens with teenagers because even before the album came out she was saying oh no Billie Eilish has been cancelled she's been cancelled or I think she's been cancelled because um, her boyfriend is like racist. He said the N-word and he did this thing and he's been cancelled. And um, Billie Eilish is, I don't know, she's just um, queer baiting a lot of the times in one of her songs or one of the um, uh, videos for it. She's just like queer baiting, like dancing around with girls and, and pretending that she's like bi or something and she's not. Um, and again, I asked, well, do you know? Is there any information about that? No, but, you know, she's just queer baiting and this happened. So even before the album came out, there's a backlash to her being too famous, I guess, uh, with a number of things. Anyway, the album comes out. It's probably underwhelming for a lot of people. Uh, but again, Violet's like, I don't really like it and no one really likes it and my friends don't like it and they think that she's um, sold out. That was another thing, sold out. And again, it's a famous pattern of many artist right like her first album comes out what's it about it's about being alienated as a teenager and and um being confused about who you are and how do you be a good person and how do you be a real person and what is real and how do you trust people um and of course like heartbreak and all that stuff and it connects with teenagers on a massive level it's not um overly sexualized it's it's getting down to some um, very straightforward ideas of trying to grow up and trying to mature and trying to be adult before your time. Um, but then what happens? She becomes super famous. And then when you become super famous uh, and you have to make a new album and you are writing 
you know, autobiographical work like you did in your first album. It's all autobiographical. It's all, you know, how she feels. And then you have to write music for your second album and you are mega famous. Then you write about that and your fan base says, well, we can't connect to this. This is all about you being famous and, oh, poor me, how hard's my life? But you're really super rich and super famous and that sounds pretty good and now what all you're writing about doesn't connect to your fan base anymore, so we don't like it. Now, um, that's fine. <laughs> that's what happens. But I enjoyed her second album and I think it'll be reevaluated. I think it'll be one of those things where in a few years it'll be cool to say, oh, I actually like... Her second album more than her than her first album. I actually like it more. I think it's better. I think that's what's going to happen. Is it'll get reevaluated and people will come around to it. It's got some really good songs on it. Um, I like NDA and Oxytocin, but there's quite a few um, all the way through the album. But anyway, I gotta move on because I've been talking for ages and I haven't even got anywhere. Um, I found um, the band Boy Genius. Um, this year as well, uh, a group with Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridges, and um, Lucy Dacus. I'm going to guess that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, just beautiful harmonies. Uh, Phoebe Bridges is a, an artist that, when I talk to students at school, comes up time and time again, um, usually by the intense female readers uh, that I teach. Uh, big fans of Phoebe Bridges. Um just really captivating harmonies and interesting lyrics. Probably my favourite, well, one of my favourite lyrics of the year is in this song. Um, let's listen to it now. Dacus, uh, also, I found a song by hers called Thumbs, which is one of the more, I don't know, emotional songs. It's about uh, her going with a good friend of hers to meet her friend's estranged father, who hasn't been a very good father at all, and him trying to reconcile with his daughter and Lucy as the friend sitting there wishing she could basically kill him to get rid of her friend's pain. <laughs> it's a cheery song. You sure look great. Do you get the checks I send on your birthday? 
So very lucky, obviously, this year that uh, new Radiohead music's come out. I won't bore you with talking about Radiohead too much, so I won't go into too much detail, but Follow Me Around was the song that I just kept playing to death. That would have been one that annoyed my family if I had have uh, played that and listened to it. Um, and a few other songs, um, which surprised me as well. Again, I get through Violet. Um, I've talked about Girl in Red enough on this podcast when I think I talked to Dave in Dent. Uh, Girl in Red... Hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to tour Australia, and I will be super excited to go and see that with my daughter, and probably have to stand away from her so I don't embarrass her, but by singing along to every song. Um, along those lines, too, is the song Meet Me At Our Spot, which is the anxiety, um, which, again, made me reevaluate because it wasn't until much later after listening to the song that someone told me that it was actually Willow Smith who's the singer or one of the singers in this song. And I was like, what? The whip my hair back and forth person? So, again, you can't really tell. That's probably why it's good sometimes to hear songs at random um, and not be, be too conflicted by, oh, should I like this music? That's a very teenage thing. Should I like something? Um, that goes away, <laughs> goes away fairly quickly, doesn't it? Um, all right, so... Why don't I just skim through? Oh, Black Dog by Arlo Parks. Um, fantastic song about a friend who's depressed. Let's go to the corner store and buy some fruit. I would do anything to get you out your room. Just take your medicine and eat some food. Probably like my favourite song of the year, which again, I have annoyed my family, is Like Sugar by Shaka Khan. It came out a few years ago. I think Nick and I found it by um, looking at the director, who directed the video of Like Sugar. You know, it's just like, this is the funkiest song that there ever was. So 
I don't really need to do much apart from play it. So here it is. for me some uh, new releases came out from my one of my favorite uh, uh, DJs Zoo I think it's Zoo Z-H-U um, and and really the last song that I'll, I'll leave you with um, before you all get bored to death is a song uh, which I, I sent this message to to certain people when it happened was I was in a crystal shop with my daughters um and some music was playing. And again, it's great to have the access where you can just hold your phone up to the music and play it. And a song was playing and I was like, this sounds like some kind of throat singing, but also like Metallica. And it was Yuve Yuve You by The Who. Uh, the Who is H-U. Uh, and I was like, I don't know what this is. I've never heard anything like it. Well, I have because it sounds a bit like Metallica. Um but I was like, this old, you know, old wizened crone that runs the crystal store is rocking out to some Mongolian um, metal, I guess you could call it. So before I move on to like my favorite films and that, let's listen to a bit of The Who. That's H.U. <laughs> Just uh, two more things on music before I move into 
film is uh so my daughter has got into oasis because she watched a, a tv show that is retro set all the way back in 1996 so that made me feel old that's when i was 18 in year 12 finishing school now there's shows making retro soundtracks uh, it's on uh, netflix called everything sucks um and also if you're an old person like me anytime young people seem to all know a song that uh you haven't heard for ages it's tiktok's influence uh, obviously so the best example of that was at the year 12 formal this year when rasputin came on and all the kids went crazy the fl- dance floor was filled with everyone dancing to rasputin sure why not but took me a while to work out why why does everyone know this song this is on tiktok everything's on tiktok so i'm just quickly going to go through some of the films that i like from 2021 now they might not all be from 2021 but uh you know so judas and the black messiah which is the um sort of biopic of sorts of fred hampton black panther leader um and his betrayal uh again a really good performance sort of muddled in its direction but the two main performances daniel kaluuya and um lakeith stanfield just yeah that's some that's some power right there with these, those two really entertaining film uh just about how the government can manipulate media into uh portraying leaders that they fear i guess uh right moving on tenet of course i watched tenet that was another movie where christopher nolan i waited till it was on netflix and uh thought oh, i'll watch about 20 i'll watch it 20 minutes and then i'll go to bed and um stayed up to well past 1 30 or something ridiculous watching it that's a sign of a good movie it's weird don't know if i understood all of it it's okay um spent a bit of time online afterwards just trying to work out what it all meant and how the uh, big action scenes going backwards and forwards at the same time how they all play into it um like a lot of christopher nolan films i think you could spend a lot of time well what does this mean and oh, what's he trying to get at but i never usually do that i usually just go yeah that's pretty entertaining as they tend to be um i just uh like a movie with uh trying to do something different i guess and he tends to like to do that um also, uh, I enjoyed Promising Young Woman. Uh, again, a movie which I don't know how I feel about the ending for a start. I don't know if the ending's too clean and too well organized. Uh, but also, I like a movie that's sort of a bit um, vague. Uh, not, not so much vague, but ambiguous in what it's trying to say. Um, whether it's meant to be a revenge fantasy or whether it's uh just meant to be a commentary probably more so just a commentary on what young women have to deal with on a regular basis and in the nice guy trope and how it's used in movies and commenting on the tropes of romantic comedies while still um subverting them at the same time some really good performances um with Kerry mulligan she, i love her <laughs> that's what it comes down to uh that's probably in keeping with the movie really me saying that who cares? Um, I think probably the movie I enjoyed the most um, all year was 
Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, it's kind of a little gritty noir movie, quite small story, but it's commenting on um, capitalism and power, really about power and what power can do to manipulate people around you, double cross, triple crosses, that kind of thing. Good cameo in there as well. Uh, I just like a, a, an original story that's told well. Steven Soderbergh makes lots of movies, it seems. He makes one or two every year. And this was just one that um, was like a small underground crime film that where Don Cheadle just knows he's fucked <laughs> all the way through it, really. And he's just trying to survive, but also trying to put some pieces together that never quite fit. Um, he's quite sprawling at times in terms of his characters and and who's actually in control. Uh, but Don Cheadle is never in control. Um, I just really enjoyed No Sudden Move. Um, uh, why don't I talk about what my kids liked? Um, so my 10-year-old really liked Cruella, um, which I watched with her. It's enjoyable. I don't know why they make, make movies like this where they take a villain and tell you the backstory of the villain as if we tried to be sympathetic towards them. Cruella goes on to like want to kill lots of dogs to make suits out of it, so I don't know. It's more of a standalone film. It doesn't really connect with the actual original 101 Dalmatians, but it's pretty entertaining, and it really got my daughter into fashion designing. So, you know, what can I say about that? And it's got um, some fantastic, you know, Emma Stone. I like it. Uh, also... My eldest, uh, I asked her, like, what was her favorite movie? Not really many new movies that came out that she liked so much, but really in love with 10 Things I Hate About You. Just Cat Stratford. She just loves her um, style, all the fashion, the way she acts, the way she controls her life. I mean, we don't really get into the some of the problematic aspects of... Um, how she seems to get paid off at the end. Whatever, I buy a guitar, everything's forgiven. But that's, it's a teen comedy, but her as a character, she's just so feisty and and knows who she is, which is rare. Um, and it's Julia Stiles as well. She's great. Um, also, probably the weirdest movie of the year that I saw was Lamb, Icelandic film about a couple who have lost a child previously and find this kind of creature uh, on the I, I don't know what kind of terrain it would be it reminds me of the moors like Icelandic moors but I'm not sure if that's what it is uh, they're on a big farm land great mountain the the um, cinematography is fantastic always foreboding mountains in the distance and to feel claustrophobic uh, uh, a discussion on grief but also just really weird and and minimal cast and and just very psychological um so try and find lamb i don't know where you can see it but if you like sort of weird psychological horror then um that's a good one too um i like power of the dog which is jane campion's new film uh with uh, benedict cumberbatch in it as well jesse plemons kirsten dunce Kirsten Dunst, I don't know. Uh, a great sort of throwback western. I'm sure it'll be in the running for awards. Old, the old awards heads will be like, "Oh, that's that's shots taken from the searches." 
John Wayne movies and like Monument Valley style filmed in New Zealand. Um, but just a, such an interesting film uh, where really, again, a film where I didn't really know where it was headed. Benedict Cumberbatch's character is just evil in some ways. Um, and he, he will again be in the running for awards because he has this character who's evil, but he's trying to bring out some kind of humanity in him. Um, and I have to say, I fell asleep the first time I watched it for like 10 minutes. Um, and in that 10 minutes, I missed the point of the whole movie. So when, uh, when the movie finished, I talked to Justine about it and she said, what do you think? And my point of view is completely wrong. And she was like, what are you talking about? And that's not what happens. Uh, and then I watched the 10 minutes I missed and I was like, ah, right, I get it now. All right, that makes sense. Uh, I, it wasn't boring. I didn't fall asleep because it was boring. I fell asleep because, again, my wife likes to put on a movie at 11 o'clock at night and uh, I have to try and fit through it. Um, probably the best movie I saw at the cinema, cinema-going experience, was taking the girls to see Godzilla vs. King Kong. Dumb, dumb movie. I took them with a purpose. We're going to the movies to watch a really stupid dumb film why not um and it was it was dumb and godzilla and king kong are punching each other what's not to love about that i mean i didn't even think about anything else of the plot just can we see more neon signs and more people fighting more uh giant monsters fighting each other and everyone saying oh my god he's punching him now oh my god he looks hurt that kind of thing great writing um i enjoyed king richard uh i don't know if it's come out officially king richard's great will smith's great that whole movie um it's about the williams sisters and uh, their dad and what he had to do um great central performance the, the kids in it are excellent as well tennis is really interesting usually people can't film tennis but they they did a good job i guess the the girls playing the tennis players really had to learn their tennis there's some cgi involved i'm sure but excellent um some good Jennifer Capriati style and Arantxa Sanchez Vicario as a villain. Again, go and watch that when you can. Um, and finally, though, the, the movie that I really, really enjoyed, not from this year at all, it's called The Sweet Smell of Success. It's from 1957. It's uh, got Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster in it. And it is cynical and dark and gross uh, about what people are willing to do to keep get a hold of power in, in New York. Uh, it's, again, really dark, really cynical. Um, just no heroes in it whatsoever. I guess there are heroes, but the two main characters are just not pleasant at all and uh, aren't shy about it. They know who they are and they're just going to be as horrible as possible. Again, someone who has real power versus someone who just wants a little bit of power and what they're willing to do. And again, uh, what happens when you push to the line of what you deem is appropriate in your moral code and then the other person involved says, no, let's go further. And then you, you can't, what are you going to do? You're going to be high and mighty moralistic man and say, that's not right? Um, it doesn't work that way. So a, a great film, which I'd never really heard much from. I think it has a lot of fans of who are people who are making movies today. Um, I've just started watching Succession. Um, 
we're about halfway through season two of Succession and there's a lot of similarities, the same kind of cynical, dark approach to business and what you're willing to do to get ahead. That's the sweet smell of success, 1957. Um, what I'm looking forward to watching is The Rescue, which is about the um, kids trapped in the cave in Thailand and having to be rescued. The documentary about that, I think it's on Disney+. Plus. Can't wait to watch that. It's meant to be amazing. I'm sure I'll cry a lot. Okay, um, so that's about it for films. Um, or oh, as always, if you haven't seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane as well, just watch that. Just go and watch that. It's the weirdest movie, one of the strangest movies you've ever seen. You can get it on YouTube or Apple TV. Um, just as dark as comedy. Is it a comedy? I guess so. As possibly can be. Great Betty Davis. Just out of this world. Going for it. Hamming it up but not hamming it up too much as far as I'm concerned and my wife's concerned. We watched it again at Christmas with her sister who'd never seen it and it just hooks you in from the start and I don't know. You didn't eat your din-dins, you don't get breakfast. All right, we're going to move on to books after a message from our sponsors. All right, so I wanted to talk about my favourite books. Uh, the reason why... I never usually do this. It's just that I've read so many books this year. The um, lockdown actually got me started, and I'd like to thank, uh, I think it was Carol by Patricia Highsmith that got me back into reading because at the start of lockdown, obviously, it was very stressful and a horribly stressful place to be. And um, I s had to force myself, really, to put the phone down, stop doom scrolling, and and start reading and once I started reading I really didn't stop and I I don't know how many books I read in that I guess eight week period but it was I don't know close to 10 15 books um, and then I just keep reading I've just kept reading ever since and it's something I don't know why I forget just how good reading, <laughs> reading is um, until I get back into books again and I don't know sometimes you have to force yourself to start reading and and then you'll find all the delight. Um, so I'm going to go through, I was going to say go through my top 10 books of the year, but uh, I don't know. It's pretty hard to go through, but I'll go through as many as I can. I read um, Jazz by Toni Morrison, and Toni Morrison, again, I feel sorry for the, the authors I read before I read Jazz, because, you know, you read a book, and you go, that's really good, that was a really good book. And then you start reading Toni Morrison and like in every page there's four or five sentences that are just perfectly phrased and amazingly described. And this book, Jazz, is set in the 1920s in New York. And uh, what, what kind of book makes you want to just go, I wish I lived in New York in the 1920s. I don't want to live in New York in the 1920s. <laughs> but the book is just the gives this hum of the city and the and this alive city in the roaring 20s i guess in um harlem and the harlem renaissance is is bubbling but it's still the reality of the day to day and and that they're still only 50 60 years from slavery um or overcoming slavery not overcoming really that's the wrong term isn't it but that slavery is uh was outlawed only 50 years earlier so you think about that that's compared to us that'd be 1972 so how many people do you know were born before then and that's uh, what they're dealing with and how they're still 
um, processing that and still trying to live in a modern city and, and how they're trying to convince themselves that the, the present is so different from the past um, is something that I think resonates with all of us. Um, I read uh, another gothic tale called Pew by Catherine Lacey, which is a book about this person, it's never really described, uh, who turns up uh, asleep in the pew of a, a local church in the south of uh, Southern America, um, uh, the Southern USA, I should say, and the character doesn't speak, and when the character doesn't speak, then everyone else speaks for the character. You don't even know if the character is male or female. At one point, another character sees them get out of the shower and says, I won't tell anyone. Um, and so that's part of the mystery. But the real part of the novels, which I really loved, was just how if you don't talk, people will do the talking and situation for you. They will let you know all about them in their dealings with you because you don't talk. Um, it's a great book club book. I think you could read it. Everyone could read it and get a different understanding of it. The last section I don't think holds up, but that's probably most books that you read. The endings are hard to, to do. Um, but a fantastic book about what it means to um, have identity and how you sell that identity to the people around you. The next book is actually a series. Uh, it's called Before the Coffee Gets Cold. Uh, Toshikazu Kawaguchi, um, obviously a Japanese author. The premise of this book is you can go to this cafe and there is a table you can sit at and you can travel back in time for 10 minutes uh, or until the coffee gets cold. And that's the premise of the story. So people go to the cafe hoping to go back in time to meet with someone they know is going to be at the cafe at that particular point all of the characters involved and it's kind of like a, an anthology or a series of different stories each of the characters going back with a different idea but then and then what they're actually going back for um, in all their minds is to fix something to fix something that uh, either that they never got to say to someone or to tell someone how they really feel um, what actually happens is the the crux of the story is um, what you actually would do in that situation. Um, we think, oh, I'd go back in time and I'd fix things and I'd change things, but a lot of it's about regret and um, really accepting the choices you've made in your life rather than somehow fixing or fixing something that's going to change everything for the better and realizing that that one moment isn't responsible. And I've talked a lot about narrative in, in this um, discussion and in the last few episodes is the idea that we're obsessed with narrative, that we tell each other these stories of our lives and that it all fits together and A plus B equals C and it's not always the case. So those, I think there's two books in the series of Before the Coffee Gets Cold um, which really delve into that. But I'll move on. Um, I read The Good Soldier by Ford Maddox Ford which is from the early 19th century uh, and a great use of an unreliable narrator who's pretty clueless and early on the way they describe 
it kind of reminds me of Gatsby, uh, of the way that the narrator's talking about this other character, like he's a, a general and what a great guy he is. And really, we're watching the descriptions, but we're saying he doesn't seem that nice. And um, he, the narrator is completely clueless. Um, and if you look up Ford Maddox Ford, the author, his life is pretty interesting and messy as well. Um, and I've written a note here which says, apparently in the early 1900s, you just slept with everyone apart from your wife. Uh, and But that was a great book. It's called The Good Soldier. Um, an early example text of an unreliable narrator. must be difficult to do. How do you tell a story where the narrator is confident in what they're saying, but you are confident that the audience is going to get what's actually happening under the surface? Um, yeah, great. The next book I read, which is up to probably the biggest surprise for me which was blessed or blessed by john doyle uh, anyone listening to this podcast or anything that i've ever done in, in any kind of acting performance whatever it is knows i just basically imitate john doyle at every opportunity uh, especially when he's being roy from Roy and hg probably the biggest influence on me as a podcaster is Roy and hg the ability that whatever the topic of conversation is, is just as valid as the next, um, no matter how stupid it is. And whatever anyone else says, you just accept as fact and you can go along with that. And it's um, He's been doing it for so many years now. So he wrote this novel, Blessed, or Blessed um, about the early life of Roy Slavin. Now, Roy Slavin is a made-up character and Roy Slavin goes to school with a young John Doyle. What it actually allows him to do is discuss his own life through a third person and to see and discuss things that he had or, or feelings he had growing up in a, a turbulent household with a profoundly autistic sister and his ability through the eyes of this made-up John Doyle character to express probably some feelings that he was unable to talk about as a young person growing up in that household, uh, growing up in a small town of, of Lithgow um, in the 1960s, 50s and 60s. Uh, I actually was sad when the book ended because um, the character of John Doyle, in particular John Doyle's mother, I grew to enjoy so much that I was actually sad when it ended because they're not real. And uh, I wish the best for them but they weren't actual characters. Um, the other thing is that Roy Slavin as a character is a bombastic um, Superman, the Ubermensch. He's just done everything in sport and politics and everything. He does it at an elite level. Uh, but I was surprised. I thought it would just be tall tales of this uh, character, but it wasn't. He was a, a, a round, well-rounded, real character. Um, and I, I would love one day, one day, to talk to John Doyle on this podcast and uh, talk to him about this process because in some points it's baffling that uh, early on in the book, Royce Laven is playing cricket and batting with John Doyle and talking about John Doyle, the, the uh, cricket batsman. I don't know how you manage that. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, another book I really enjoyed was uh, totally different called Little Eyes by Samantha Schweblin. Um uh, I think um, has been translated from Spanish, Portuguese. I really should have researched that, but never mind. Um, which is about these little creature toys that you 
can buy that are connected uh, over the internet. Uh, if you have one of the creatures, it lives in your house and it moves around independently as long as you put it on its charging station. Um, and then one other person somewhere randomly in the world has control of this little creature and allows them to see into your house and see whatever this little creature sees. You communicate with this little creature, it communicates with you. You never know who the other person is who is connecting with you unless you somehow reach out to them. Um, but really, uh, if the story is about how we are trying to connect with each other in any way possible. Um, and I was struck by this idea that given the opportunity, uh, people would much rather be the observers than be the observed. And uh, it sort of suggests that the people who are willingly being observed have uh, quite damaging social issues. It really uh, critiques why you would want people to be able to see your life all the time versus the people who are willing to watch. That's Little Eyes. Little Eyes, not Little Eyes. Little Eyes. Um, all right, I'm going to burn through these. I read The Song of Achilles. Some Year 12 students recommended it. Girls, of course. Oh, my God, this is the greatest book ever. If you go on TikTok or YouTube and you type in The Song of Achilles, there are a lot of people talking about just the love and how many times they've read it and how many times they cried. Uh, great, I guess. A bit like Twilight. It's historical fiction. It's based on the uh, Achilles uh, Trojan Wars. Um, but, oh, so much longing and passion. Very much Twilight. Um, it's, yes, wanting, wanting what you can't have um, even into the afterlife. Uh, if I was a year 12... Um, passionate female reader I would be loving that book I'm sure um, if you've got younger readers who want to read something or are looking for something like that The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller uh, then I read My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Mosfi um, fantastic author not sure about the general conceit um, of the novel I mean the general conceit of the novel is someone who is suffering from a bout of depression and wants to spend an entire year in bed um, that the, that conceit is actually brilliantly done and described in a way that is not poetic and it actually comments on um, the way men often write depressed women as saviors lying around in bed all day who can teach men how to live again and need a man to reintroduce them back into life whereas Otessa uh, the main character it lives in squalor and filth and and yeah in real in a real depression um the the ending or the last third of the novel i felt was rushed because of the conceit that sort of binds it i wonder if they had the idea of it and i don't i can't spoil too much so but i do wonder if they had the idea about it and then we're sort of bound to it because it's sort of the the ending isn't important, I felt. But anyway, um, again, if you've got a young reader, um, you can do much worse than We Were Liars, which is a um, melodrama about a family uh, who are all three generations who are all vying for the attention and love of the um, patriarch of the family who, when he dies, will leave them money and houses. Um, and there's a central mystery at the at the in the uh, novel 
and I won't say anything more about it. But Young Readers, I think We Will Lies is. My daughter read it. She enjoyed it. It's a bit intense in parts for her at 13, but um, well worth the read. Um, okay, I read three Agatha Christie no novels, Death on the Nile, um, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, um, and then there were none. I, I read the uh, Murder on the Orient Express before and enjoyed it, but these three were pretty great. Um, there's a reason why famous authors are famous, um, but if you want to start somewhere and you haven't read any Agatha Christie, I think you really should read. And then there were none. Um, look up what the original title was. I won't mention it here, but it's incredible that it actually exists in that way, that someone thought that would be a great idea. Only changed the title in Britain in 1984, if you can believe that. In America, they changed it immediately. But And Then There Were None is a horror movie, really. Like, reading it is written in the 30s, but reading it is just, you know, 12 people go to an island, one by one they get knocked off. Who doesn't want to read that? And it's just so, the characters are so well written. Each of them has a reason, each of them's a suspect. Um, and just, yeah, just a book where I was like, no wonder everyone like thinks Agatha Christie's great, because she is. Um, okay. Probably the most enjoyable book I read all year was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Now, it certainly wasn't a book that I would ever imagine that I'd like. It's about a um, famous actress who was famous in the 50s, 40s and 50s and 60s, uh, old Hollywood, um, doing an interview, basically, about their life and their seven marriages. Uh, I don't know about the narrative device, but um, as soon as I finished it, I passed it on to someone else. A cracking read. Really entertaining, really engrossing, great central character. Uh, really de delves into the studio system of Hollywood in the 50s and 60s and how things were manipulated, how media was manipulated, how marriages were arranged to boost um, sales of your film and how what is good publicity versus bad publicity. Um, I also just wanted to go over, I read lots of Sally Rooney, again, Year 12 Girls, Sally Rooney, you got to read Sally Rooney, I read Normal People, I read Beautiful World, Where Are You, I read Conversations with Friends, Sally Rooney has this obsession with miscommunication with, between people and not expressing what you really feel and then messing things up, um, Conversations with Friends is what it's like to be in your younger early 20s and not being able to communicate and making stupid mistakes and not really considering your choices. It's also about having no responsibility for your life but having strong moral stances that you don't actually engage with. Um, I think normal people is, is maybe similar. It's being a bit older, but it's also the same thing, um, trying to navigate class, relationships, university posturing, writing, being an author um, in your 20s uh, and trying to tell people how you feel and not being able to. And Beautiful World Where Are You is getting to be late 20s, early 30s. Same kind of issues. How do we navigate the class system that we feel is unfair and also we get invited to French chalets for the summer? That sounds pretty nice to me. Um, and just trying to navigate that world of class um, Again, there's a lot happening. I also read another book called Exciting Times by Nisha Dolan, um, which is, again, an Irish novelist. Very similar idea of 
how to navigate class. How to navigate class in a modern society where um, the central character teaches in Hong Kong and has a boyfriend who's very, very wealthy and comes from British old money and she does not and just trying to navigate that. Again, how do we go, this system's fucked and I and class system is outrageous but oh, my boyfriend lets me live at his expensive apartment and uh, that's pretty nice. Um, how do I navigate that as an adult? Um, and why don't I finish up with just talking about um, Devotion by Hannah Kent. Um, I'm biased because Hannah Kent is probably my favorite Australian author. Um, Hannah Kent wrote The Good People and she also wrote Burial Rights, hopefully to be made into a film, um, and just has this uncanny ability to build worlds that you've never to build worlds you've never read before. Uh, really detailed worlds. This one starts off in Prussia in the 1840s and and the Prussian community is uh, ostracized and decides to travel to Adelaide to start their own life. So they're not um, criminals, they're, they're not convicts, they've just decided to move, have their own land, um, have their own life free from religious persecution. Uh, the central conceit halfway through the novel turns. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I will read anything that Hannah Kent writes forever and ever and ever. Um, and finally, and finally, I just would like to say read all the David Sedaris you can. This year I read uh, A Carnival of Snackery. I bought it for my birthday. It's his diaries from 2003 to 2020. Some of the things he says are outrageous. Um, great that he thinks them and makes you go, oh, I'm glad someone else there is writing down these horrible thoughts they have about children when they're in the airport. Um, uh, and talking about the different levels of disability and what's worth it, I guess is the term. Um, he just has great insight, but mainly he just likes pointing out very strange things and talking to people and um, finding out that people are more interesting when they are stopped trying to be interesting. So there you go. That's my stuff that I liked in 2021. It's much longer than I expected it to be. I will put it out into the world. Remember, um, ask us questions. Send Nick and I some questions uh, via social medias. And um, in five episodes' time, it'll be the 100th, and we will go through them. Thank you for listening if you made it this far. Um, I don't know cool i hope you enjoyed the washing up or mowing the lawn or whatever you were doing while you're listening to this um take care of yourselves enjoy and uh, that's it